Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. All right, hour two of the locker room. And, Wolf, I talked about it. I spoke it into fruition. Um, <laughs> and what might that I, be, my friend? Well, you know, I think when we're talking about the significance of having an AFC North or a divisional opponent week one, I know there's a lot of teams across the league that are doing it. But when you look at the AFC North specifically – the Ravens are going to the Jets, and the Cleveland Browns are facing off against Baker Mayfield's uh, Baby Panthers. <laughs> the Baby and, Panthers. <laughs> now, wait. Hey, so, okay, wait a minute. Do you think there's no revenge there? That's what the Baker's saying now. Now, he kind of tipped his lip a little bit a couple of weeks ago and said uh, he, he wanted to uh, uh, use some yeah. colorful language in describing the – Coming back and taking revenge, more or less, against the Brownies. Uh, do you buy his, his retraction saying, no, there's, there's nothing there? Uh, absolutely, I, 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 I do not buy it. Uh, <laughs> get out of here. Yes. For every guy that said that, no, no, really, I swear, we should, we should be doing our best. And No, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> get out of here. Get out of here, dude. I, I like that, how you start to retract. Oh, I, I didn't mean that, you know, just because yeah. I wanted to really mess with them and use some very strong language to talk about them. Um, no, I didn't mean that. I mean, it wasn't geared towards them specifically, <laughs> just kind of was hinted that it was them, and I have a detestation for them because they, d- they did not bring me along, you know. They yep. they kicked me to the curb. No, no, but I have no hard feelings. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Move along. Yeah, no, I, I mean, he he's he's pissed off, yeah. and, and rightfully so, in a lot of intents and purposes. Yeah, you, you, you would feel scorned, too, if the team that, that you, were, you were believed to be a leader on, you had a lot of success with said squad about – how y'all went about things. You took a team to the playoffs, and then they're like, well, we need an upgrade at your position. We don't think that you quite emulate what we're trying to get accomplished. Yeah. It, 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 gnaw, it gnaws at your crawl a little bit, you know? Right. And, and I, think, I think, yeah, Baker's going to have something to say about it. He knows this defense better than anybody else does, and he knows the personnel that's there. Now, does he have the best weapons to go out and do it? No, but listen – more has been done with less in these type of situations. And so it's going to be an interesting game. So I think for the Bengals and for the Steelers, it's very important to get a foothold in the win column. And you have a shot at starting the pace for the season 
for the AFC North race because yes, Baltimore will get an AFC win, but they're not they're not getting a divisional win. Cleveland has a possibility of getting a win, but it's not even in the conference. So when you're talking about, yeah, those are great for tiebreakers, but division dominance precedes anything else, and this is a chance to put your stamp on the season. And imagine if the Steelers come out with a victory in week one against the reigning AFC champions and the AFC North division champions. That's going to send a shockwave throughout the league that this this isn't last year's Steelers team. This is a new squad. Now I think it has to start, and, and it must start with a fast start. It has to be a fast start. Oh, man, you're not kidding, Max. And, again, we're, we'll get more of this detail tomorrow, but I was thinking the same thing. You know, again, we and we've talked about it since day one in training camp. Getting off to a fast start is going to be a big part of this offense getting success and going into Cincinnati – is going to be problematic because it's going to be loud there, but there will be a lot of the Steeler faithful making that trip down there. That's kind of like, I don't know, southwest Pittsburgh or something because they, they do, well, at least when Ben was there, it was, you know, there was just a lot of people that poured in there that wanted to root for the Roethlisberger and the Steelers. You know what I mean? Oh, no, absolutely. And, I, I you know, and, and, and I want to actually, Wolf, play this because I think, I think it's important. Wes... Can we can we can we get it queued up? Uh, I want to hear from a captain about the significance of this AFC North matchup in Week One and kind of what it means. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, anytime Week One, it's it's always huge to be able to start off on the right foot. But let alone it's AFC North football um, against the Bengals, who we didn't have a great um, outing with the last two times we faced them last year. So. It's just something that we want to get off to uh, a good start, and I feel very confident in that. You like starting off with an AFC North opponent, especially one that wasn't suitable last year. Yeah, Coach Tomlin's always talking about never warming up to it, and I don't want to say when it's not a division opponent, you're now you're, you are warming up to it, but it's a little bit more sense of urgency for sure because there is a lot of weight behind this game, and um, that's not lost in the shuffle just because it's early in the season. DJ, uh, Mike Tomlin always talks about complementary football, how the pass rush and pass coverage work together. Is this? A pretty good test of that right off the hop with how they can run the ball if they need to rely on that or throw it a lot if they need to rely on that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no secret that they're a pretty balanced offense. I think they have a lot of, a lot of key weapons at the skill position. And uh, like I was just discussing, they also revamped the offensive line with a lot of new faces. So um, I feel like it's going to be a tough challenge for us. We have to establish that we can stop the run, um, not only against the Bengals, but for the whole season. And that's what setting the tone um, early is. And like I said, I feel very confident with that. And uh, we know what we can do, and we can pin our ears back uh, in this defense. You did some things in that first game against Buffalo last year that maybe the Bills hadn't seen from a Steeler defense previously. Um, do you rely on some new wrinkles potentially that to help you in this game as well? Yeah, I was just telling him that we, we definitely haven't shown our full hand as far as just stopping the run and stuff. Um, I feel like we have... I'm very comfortable with where we are right now in the game plan and um, where we're at, having the extra week to prepare for these guys. Um, I'm just looking forward to being able to righting the wrong as far as the Steelers and stopping the run. Yeah, well, there it is. And that captain, of course, if you don't know the voice, we all love him. Reigning <laughs> defensive player of the year, Mr. T.J. Watt. Number 90 in your programs, but number one in your hearts, um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. But I, I thought it was important. I, I thought I thought TJ just kind of encapsulated kind of the mindset you have to have going into this game and, of course, the opponent. Like, you don't forget the lessons of yesteryear in this process. You've got to be cognizant about what, what we put on tape 
because what you what what you put on tape is who you are as it stands until proven otherwise. And this Steelers squad was not up to snuff a year ago, and they had they had a lot of issues as far as we're ta- we we talked about it with depth and health um, of that of the defensive line and getting guys back and getting new pieces added to this equation was huge. It was a huge process for them to go in, go out, get guys who could contribute, who had experience, and who also had the hunger. Because rush defense is a matter of want to outside, you know, on top of skill. Right. You have to want to stop somebody at full force where they stand and say, you know what? I don't even like it. I don't even like a stalemate. I want a win and push someone backwards. And this Cincinnati Bengals team is going to be a team that's going to test that. You know, you 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 already outlined it, Wolf. First game, under 100 yards rushing. Second game, Joe Mixon, the only reason he stopped because the whistles blew dead for zero zeros in the fourth quarter. Right, right. No doubt and about so, it. Go yeah, ahead, it's a Max. balanced squad. I mean, it's a balanced squad. So, you know, for me, I mean, how how do you see this? And where, where's your confidence level in this? Well, I'm looking at this, and, I, you know, the one thing is, uh, yeah, it's not just the lessons, though. It's the beatdown as well. Because you understand when you get humiliated by your opponent, and there's no question. I mean, 41 to 10, that's that's a beatdown, okay? You take that, and you got to marinate in a little bit after you own it. Because by owning it, marinating in it, and then turning that baby around and using it as fuel to go after them, that, I think, to me, that was always a big thing. You know, there comes a point in time we just like going, okay, yeah, I've had enough of this, and I ain't going to – this ends now. And it comes down to being as simple as whipping the man in front of you. You got to – at some point in time, you got to whip the guy, all right? You can run all the motions. You can run all the, the, the different defensive adjustments and checks and so forth. You can run – offensively, all different formations and personnel groupings, but it comes down to whipping the man in front of you. And I think that's what I want to see, and I think that's got to be one of the big things that comes out of this game is guys just saying, okay, I've had it up to here, and I ain't taking it no more, and I'm going to do something about it, and I'm going to whip that man in front of me. I mean, are are are, are we playing playing? Uh, what is it Twisted Sister? We're I, not going to take I, it. Yeah, I, you know what? I just got a little bit. Sorry, a little too much coffee. Yeah, no, 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 no. We're not gonna, gonna take, take it. it. <laughs> no, we're not gonna take it. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. They I'm should play say that it. all the way into Cincinnati. I, I mean, hey, listen, I, I'm I'm all for good theme music. Listen, you got to have theme music, you know, when, when you're getting ready for a game. I was a guy. I don't know if 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 you were. But I had a, I had my playlist was keyed up and timed up for everything I needed to do in my pregame ritual. Oh, really? And the mu- and the music. We didn't have that sort of technology. mirrored that mirrored that. Well, I mean, you did have a Walkman. You just had to listen to a whole album, yeah, and then flip it, it over Walkman. after yeah. you ran out one side. Um, right. But in the car, did you have any song that you wanted to listen to in the car on the way to the stadium? Um, it wasn't as Ray Penny did, Mellow Yellow. All right. I mean, okay. It was not mellow yellow. Okay. Got it. Call me mellow yellow. I mean, <laughs> Ray, I said to Ray, what song do you, he goes, oh, I, I, that song, mellow, mellow yellow. Are you kidding me? The last thing you want to be is mellow before you go out there. <laughs> uh, just sometimes yeah. I just shook my head at Ray. Ray was a very, um, cop- he, he was, he was an excellent player. Great guy. Loved the guy. Um, but he was just kind of like relaxed, you know, 
And I was just, I was yeah. wound up tighter than a clock. <laughs> you, you were just caged aggression waiting to, yeah, waiting yeah. to be unleashed yeah. on the world. <laughs> I, hey, listen, I, I, I get it. I mean, because sometimes in certain opponents, it just, it brings out the more basal primal instincts, right? Right. I mean, there's certain, like for me, it was Baltimore every sure. time. No, ma- no matter how mild-mannered or, or as collected as I seem to be, there was always there was always that little twitch in your eye when mm. it was Baltimore week. And, you know, and I could definitely say, you know, to fans I've interacted with, I apologize during Baltimore week if I was rude. Um, because it was just it was you had to go to a different place. You had to transform yourself mentally for that game because it was it was going to be physical. It was going to be a bloodbath. It was you you were going to feel that game for the next two weeks and you couldn't have a let up you couldn't give an inch you couldn't let the guy across you know whatever you were feeling i remember i'll never forget afc championship game 2008-9 season right baltimore comes to, baltimore right. comes to town for the afc championship game and and the second play of the game i tore my ace and my lcl hey. oh that's painful and and it was throbbing it was hurting and Terrell Suggs saw me grab my knee oh no and I'll never forget this you bled in front of him you let him see you bleed <sighs> yeah I grabbed my knee because Trevor Price had landed on the back of it that's what caused the LCL tear because he knifed inside and I and I went for an, a really hard cutoff and I got myself past him but his helmet went right into the side of my knee Oh, and I just remember, ah, you know, kind of <laughs> as I yes. as Ow. I went to the ground, and and I grabbed my knee, and Terrell Suggs saw that, and do you know that the rest of the game, this dude was diving into the back of my legs on the backside? Are you kidding me? Well, that you know, why would yeah, that surprise yeah. me? Surprise! A, a yeah. Baltimore Raven being a nasty player, yeah, right? That, yeah. Okay. But but no he dove into my legs at a, a clear play where he was not even in on the, on making the tackle and i just looked back at him i said so this is how we're playing it he's like listen i'm trying to get my ring too i said bet bet got you i got you hey <laughs> assignment assignment was clear before but now we're crystal right now and i proceeded to take the fight to him every opportunity i got i punched him in the throat at least 3 times <laughs> And not and that you, we, we, not that you had any unbridled aggression you wanted to release against this guy. Wolf, what is aggression? I don't know what you're talking about. That's not in my vocabulary. Never heard that word before. Hoopy, hoopy. He used a big word. I don't know. He used a, I don't know what aggression is. <laughs> oh yeah. But but it, but it, it it pisses you off. I mean, there's just a natural fire that that just brooms, and, and when you have competition. And like you said, the stress of the moment, not saying that the Bengals should be, you know, equated in that response, but you should have a mental level that says, I got my butt kicked last year by the squad, especially if you're the offensive linemen that were there from a year ago. And if you're the defense that was there, I must go right the sins of the past, right? I must go make a penance for what happened and show that this was just an aberration. This is not a standard that we hold. Yeah, absolutely. That's a standard yeah. you want to keep, too. You know, I mean, that's the way yeah. it is. And, you know, th- the thing about it is that you don't hear much of that anymore today, do you? I mean, you hear, no. you know, you don't hear about those, uh, let's say, vendettas against each other. You know, 
back in the day, um, that was a pretty common thing. You know, I'm, even before what what was it when uh, they had uh, the uh, bu- the uh, the bribe gate or bonus gate? I mean, whatever it was. Oh, that, uh, know, bounty uh, gate. Bounty gate. Bounty That's gate. it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I was having yeah. a little trouble pulling that one out. But the bounty bounty gate stuff. That was people talk about being you know. Oh, it was just terrible and this and that. You know, you know, before there was Bounty Gate, there was just guys that just wanted to, to hurt each other. You know what I mean? That's the way it was yeah. back in the NFL. If, you, if for some reason this guy had angst against you, you better make sure that your head was always on a swivel in any time you were out there on the field with him, unless you, were, of course, was the guy that was having the angst against somebody. You know what I mean? That's just the way it was. No, and, 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 and that, 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 that's the part of football – that is less talked about, but that's the essence of football, right? It, it is it is the ability to want to go out and inflict your will upon an unyielding <laughs> opponent, right? Or pain. <laughs> or, 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 or to quote the great American philosopher, Clever Lang, there you forecast go. for today is pain. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, next up, one of Max's former teammates is retiring. We'll tell you all about it. Come back here, SNR. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. You heard the voiceover guy. This is in the locker room, and we are back live, coming to you from the iHeart Studios and the Arizona Remote Satellite Studio. That is my office. Uh, <laughs> Where's the squeaker dog been? I haven't heard the squeaker no. toy with your pup. So Oakley right now, here's a live look in. Oakley's in the hallway. He is just dejected with me because uh, – because my wife, my wife left yesterday um, oh. to. Fl- she's 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 actually funny enough. Wolf, my wife is closer to you than I am. Uh, <laughs> she she's in Pittsburgh right now attending a wedding. Um, Get out! And so yeah, so I so I have so I have the girls. So wh- uh, he doesn't know how to handle himself when uh, when there's not a woman in the household. So uh. he is just dejected. He's like. He's like, listen, dude. I know you're only you're only doing the base things of, of providing for me right now. <laughs> you're gonna take me out. You're gonna feed me. You're not gonna play with me. Uh, you're not gonna cuddle with me. I'm like, absolutely right, but uh, you, hey, you know the drill. Man up a little bit, okay? <laughs> how long? How long do you have these conversations with your dog? Yeah, uh, no, I have these conversations all the time. Okay, because 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 now it's only me in the house, right? The kids are off to school, right? And so, I, and I don't pick them up till like three o'clock, three fifteen. Gotcha. So, I'm in the house, so I'm gonna be do, finishing up my prep for the uh, South Carolina Arkansas game this weekend. Okay. So he's so he gets zero attention. So he'll he'll bring his toy in. And he'll just lay it. I have like a little uh, Avengers mat that I have in my office. <laughs> he'll just lay on the mat and just chew very helplessly and pathetically for like two seconds, <laughs> and then he'll ju- he'll just put himself to sleep. I'm like I'm like I feel like my dog is crying himself to sleep when it's just me in the house. But but no. But I mean, we, we, I, but here's the funny thing. Like because I have to run errands, right? So 
I, I bring him in the pickup truck with me. We'll we'll because we'll, we got to go to PetSmart. So I'll get you know he'll get out. He'll get to he'll get to stroll a little bit and kind of prance around, which he loves doing. And <laughs> the dogs too. It's hilarious. Like you can't get him to focus in the house, but the second we go out in public, he turns into a show dog. Oh really? And I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like, why can't you do this at home? He, and, and I tell it, it's, it's like it's like my youngest daughter, like. She gives it all at school right. as far as being attentive, listening, and being the model student. And then at home, it's just like, I, I, I got none left in me in the tank, pops. All right, I'm just, I'm gonna go crawl under. The, I'm gonna go crawl under the table. I, we're gonna refuse to do homework, and it's just, it's hilarious. He's the same exact way where he just, he, he, he saves it all for public appearances, and then behind closed door, he just. He's just like, ah, I'm done. I'm done. There's nobody judging. There's nobody judging me. You're not going to judge me. You're still going to feed me. I'm like, yes, you're right. Okay. <laughs> That's beautiful. Now, I got to ask you something yeah. because one of your former teammates is retiring. Of course, that would be Emmanuel Sanders, who uh, was drafted by the Steelers in 2010 in the third round, which, by the way, was the same year in which they drafted A.B. in the sixth round. But, uh, man, he had a 12-year career. He was a Super Bowl winner in Super Bowl 50 with Peyton Manning. Uh, he had three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons in Denver. Uh, in 2014, he had 101 passes and nine TDs. Played in three Super Bowls with Pittsburgh, Denver, and San Fran. Um, career totals of 704, 9,245 yards, and 51 TDs. Pretty sensational. 52 Catches and 622 and one TD in the playoffs. Four years, buddy. I mean, you know this guy. Uh, what kind of guy was he? You know, you know, Emmanuel was was awesome. Um, at, I mean, he was just a great young man. And I remember when when he first came into the league, right? You know, that 2010 draft. You know, there was a lot of a lot made of, of, of that crew because you also the other guy you forgot to mention, Mike Wallace, oh, was also that's true. And that, so we, I mean, that trio of wide receivers, I mean, you just look at their careers and you're just like, oh my gosh, how did you get all three of those guys on the same squad? Mm -hmm. And, and that's where you, that's where you credit Mike T and his eye. I mean, a former wide receiver that can go find talent. He can find just a skill set that's uncanny and guys blossom um, here because you know, the careers that all of them went on beyond Pittsburgh to have. I mean, but, you know, early on, Emmanuel, the biggest reason why he wasn't as big a hit uh, in Pittsburgh and and had such a long career here was because of injuries. You know, injuries kind of early on in his career, and he, and he, and he finally got over those things and became an integral part. I mean, you talk about free agency, teams going out and seeking him out and teams trying to retain him, you know, whether it was Denver or San Francisco. And... He became one of those go-to guys. He he was a glue, he was a glue guy veteran that you wanted him in the room because you knew he was going to enhance the room. But he had a presence about him. He had a confidence about him that exuded to other players. He he made other players better. Whereas most people, you know, would look at that and say, "Oh, it's cockiness." But no, it was just he had confidence in himself. He had belief in his teammates, and he gave it his all. He worked his tail off to be to be the best that he could be, and I, and it rewarded him. Super Bowl 50, right? He had an opportunity to uh, to go out there to Denver and work with Peyton Manning and, and Brock Osweiler that were out there as the QBs during that year. 
and was just a steadying force. And I, I just look at that, and, and I'd say, bravo, Emmanuel. You know, you did a tremendous job. And I see Emmanuel from time to time when I when I traveled to Texas, mm-hmm. and uh, we had attended a couple of events together, man. I, I, and I just remember going up to him and just giving him a big hug right after he won the Super Bowl and saying, congratulations, man. You deserve it. What a tremendous career you're having, and I'm proud of you, you know, because – he was one of the guys. He never got down on himself, even through the injuries and the rehab process. He always had a positive attitude. He was always such a, a an endearing and engaging young man. And um, you know, I was I was like, you know what? He's going to go place. He's going to do things. And you know, I have no doubt that with retirement, you know, his next phase, whatever he decides to do, he's going he's going to have an impact in whatever he puts his heart to. Because you saw that on the football field. You knew that he was he was one of the guys that was just just meant for something great. And and I'm proud of him. I'm proud to see what he's done, what he's accomplished, and I can't wait to see what's next for him. Do you think there was there friction between him and A B? I mean, because you know, not not bad, just you know, two guys competing well, it was the two dogs, one bone type of thing. You know, I mean, how did you see it? I, I don't think so. I, that that group, you know, you realize, Wolf. There, that was there's young um, money, right? They went by young money. I that, think it was. That, that was that was a, that was a young, that was a young money crew, yeah. and uh, you know, and and they just they they had a swagger about them. You know, it was it was I think the first transition where you saw young guys who were just very self aware, and, right? And 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 very very overt in their opinions of themselves. <laughs> You know, and right. I think that's probably I think that's probably the most diplomatic way to put that, right? Well, wouldn't you say <laughs> wouldn't you say that wide receivers are the new divas? I mean, you know, back in the day, it was a, I would say the, new, well, new. <laughs> They've never gone anywhere, Wolf. <laughs> I guess maybe the, yeah, since time immemorial. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, I was probably. about to say, as long as you had a guy who's skinny and and fast and has has musculature to him, they're going they're going to care about their personal appearance and how they look and how they operate and move. Yeah, that that's been why receivers is age. Michael Irvin still thinks he's got it. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> come come on, Mike. You know Yeah, exactly. I'm like I'm like, I get it. You're a personality on TV, but you're not you're not a current athlete right now. He <laughs> he carries the wide receiver swag with him wherever he goes. Terrell Owens has not stopped pretending to be a wide receiver <laughs> to this day. I don't think I've seen a picture of him in the last seven months that he's had a shirt on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, yeah. it's it's. I'm like, I'm like, okay, we get it. You're over 40 and you still have a six pack. Okay, the only six pack I have is in my fridge. I get that. Okay, you know, right, but right. yeah. So so wide receivers, no, they never lack confidence in anything in life. Well. You know, I, I was just wondering because I always liked Manny. I thought he was a good guy. I really enjoyed yeah. talking with him. And um, I know there was some frustration at a point in time. Just He just kind of, you know, I, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't friction. It was a little frustration. I mean, maybe it was due to some injuries and stuff like that where he just felt that, uh, you know, he wasn't seeing the ball as much as he wanted to. And, of course, I've never met a wide receiver that didn't get in the number of targets that they wanted. You know what I mean? Everyone, if any wide receiver that ever admitted to being covered by anybody, uh, they're not a real wide receiver. You know, that was yeah, exactly. Th- go ahead. Uh, yeah, 
but but no, I was gonna say exactly. And I mean, I think you know when you play that position where you know your position, your job is reliant upon catches and yards and touchdowns. When you have a statistical value associated with you, you know you're you're gonna have a little bit more edge than others. And there's only one football field, well, one football on the field. Right. Right. So. You try and spread it judiciously. You try and find the open man when he's open. So, yeah, natural human emotion is going to kick in. But I never felt like it was counterproductive with Emmanuel, right? It was never a sport thing. He always had a clear mind about it. It wasn't, it wasn't that delusional, I'm always open, just throw it to me type of mentality. <laughs> it was, no, in this break, I know where I was. And given the defensive strike, like he had, he had, a, he had a rational answer. For if if he did have a if he did have an argument about you know where the ball should have went on a play, but it wasn't something that transpired over the length of a season or or throughout the game. Like once it was discussed, it was over with, and then you kind of saw the adjustments because I thought he was giving proper communication in in, in real time. Mm-hmm. Like hey, when that safety drops down, I'm sneaking behind him on that post route. You can hit me as soon as as soon as I clear his back shoulder. You can hit me. I know I'm open because of where the window is, you know. And so it's like that. that's the stuff where that's a leader. And I think that's what's translated. That's why he had a 12-year career in the NFL. If you were just, an, you know, a butthead of a dude, you wouldn't have lasted as long. You know, right. you wouldn't have made it as long. And I can think of plenty of other wide receivers who did not because they carry that type of, dare I say it, arrogance to them. And And I think – his was in a very constructive criticism type of way. And he also described, you know, hey, this is this is just me for this instance. This would have been the better decision. Not trying to say that your decision-making skills are bad, but I was just saying you could be more effective. You could be more efficient. There are other ways of looking at this. And I thought that was something that he always presented and was always level-headed and never and never presented as a crybaby or a complainer or anything like that. Um, I think frustration comes when you have multiple injuries, which I think he had in his time in Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, and especially when you feel like you're getting your groove and you're getting into the rhythm of things, and then it gets cut short, you know, with something happening physically, your body breaks down in that moment. So, But it wasn't, it wasn't for envy or jealousy of another individual. You know, the <clears> thing <throat> I've, he, always re, he always seemed to me as a guy that was, well, he was so well-spoken. He was very detailed in his analysis when he, you know, when you would talk with him. And I always wondered, I wonder if that's going to parlay into uh, being a TV analyst somewhere. I'm sure it will be. I would think he'd go into broadcasting, don't you? Well, I think broadcasting, I think he has a lot of interest. I mean, he's really, he's really into the, in the healthcare field as well. Oh, is he? Okay. I know, I know he's invested in that. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you, you take on a director's role or some, or some type of, significant role where you are in the public eye as well um but like you said he has plenty of choices to uh if he chooses to go in the broadcasting route from the team affiliations that he's had you know you think of denver your super bowl champion out there you think you think of san francisco where you were a part of an elite team and a playoff caliber teams while you were out there uh new orleans it was you know yeah you had a good you had an okay run there but i think those two prominent teams and of course once a stealer always a stealer so, True. so he has he has options to him if he chooses to go on that national stage or if he chooses to fo- to to narrow his focus if he so chooses. 
All right, next up, when we come back, did you ever wonder who caught the most TD passes or receptions from Big Ben over his 18 years? Do you know who, Max? I don't give it away. I think I have an idea. I think I have an idea. Don't give it away because we're going to tell you when we come back. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more on SNR. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. All right, the final bell lap here in the locker room. So, Max, I left you with the question. Do you know who the top pass ca- or TD uh, pass catcher and the top reception overall pass catchers are in Ben Roethlisberger's 18 years? So let's go with the touchdown catches. You got. I think you know who number one is. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, is it Antonio Brown? There you go, 72. All right, yeah. second place. Can you guess? Uh, second place, I'm going to go with Heinz Ward. All right, and he's tied with somebody else at second place with 41. Uh, who might that be? Ooh, San Antonio? Another, uh, no, it would be another teammate of yours, and I, I remember when uh, he made a big catch one time and, and – uh, Mike was oh. on the sidelines. Always go to. Um, is it Heath Miller? There you go. Heath Miller and go. Heinz yeah. Ward are tied at second with 41. Mike Wallace is fourth with 29. And who would be the fifth one, you might think? Mm, fifth on that list. Uh, let me think here. It's a, it's a good Mike snack Wallace? in a movie. You know. Oh, good snack in a movie. Yeah. I mean, Nachos. some people like them. No, you know, Juju Beans. Uh, oh, Juju Smith-Schuster. There you there go. go. Hey, he's yeah, got... Ju- I, go I'm ahead. a Sour Patch guy at the movie. Oh, theater. okay. I'm a Kit Kat bar guy. That's where I go. Ooh. Yeah, I like yeah, Kit that's Kat That's still bars. a quality one. Yeah, that's quality. Yeah. <laughs> he's got 19. Yeah. All right, so now we got the number of receptions. And you know that AB is first. Uh, yeah. 796. Uh, who might be second? I see. I feel like I have to go back with Hines or Heath. Okay, which is it? Heath. Uh, yes, you're right. Heath is second with 540, and Ward is third with 513. Who might fourth be? Fourth. Um, I mean, I feel like this might be Juju's area. Uh, he is fifth with 272. Oh, yes. Okay, so there's one in between. Hines and him. But it's not San Antonio because San Antonio wasn't here long no. enough to develop that. But um, uh, he, the, the it first, wasn't L or Plax. It could be, um, a, you know, rings a bell. Um, you said rings a bell. Le'Veon Bell. There you go. Fourth with 283. Go. So it comes okay. down to Brown with 796. Heath Miller is second with 540. Uh, Heinz Ward is third with 513. Lev Bell is fourth with 283. And uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is fifth with 272. Those are the top pass catchers and TD pass catchers in uh, Big Ben's illustrious 18-year career. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's pretty that's pretty amazing when it you really think is. about it. And especially when you're talking about from one to two. Um just the amount of touch. I mean, that's just an uncanny connection to have with with a player. 
um, was Ben and A.B. And I know for whatever it eroded to at the end of it, but between the lines, you could not argue that there was not a better duo oh, yeah. uh, in the league um, at, during during their time together. And and I'm sure I'm sure Tom Brady has some ridiculous numbers with some of his guys, right? Yeah, no especially because I, I would think it'd be like Gronk would mm-hmm. probably be number one on his list because they played so long together and they had so many games together. But I mean that that's a special moment, and you know, do I hate the way that things ended? Oh, you know, yeah. with everything and especially the end of the other person's career. Not, not, not sevens. Right. Um, because, I mean, man, some magical things could have happened had they oh, continued oh, that. Oh, you could oh, have oh. saw a thousand catches between between those two. Yeah. Um, and in and, and very short order. Because what was the total receptions at total that time? Total receptions was 796 for Antonio. They could have been a thousand plus. Easy. 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 In like a year and a half. Yeah. If you kept it together for a season and a half, y'all could have had a thousand catches together and probably close close to 100 touchdowns. I would think so, man. I mean, you think about the magic those two created along with uh, Heath Miller, uh, Olivia. I mean, uh, he, it was just overwhelming the what they could do. And it's it's such a shame that that he flamed out like that. Uh, you know. Yeah. I I liked the man. You know, I I really liked him when he first came in the league. He was just I don't know, he was just such a hard worker and he always was a hard worker. That being AB, yeah. you know the fact that I've never—I don't think I've ever seen anybody who worked harder from the first rep to the last rep in practice over all my years. No, no, I will say this, and I'll go to my grave with this: he was one of the hardest working players. For to the, the, I mean, he created his own luck um, in a lot of those situations because he just—he would not be denied. He—he was—he was just that. Um, attentive and that attuned to his skill set and working on his craft. Like, I mean, that's one of the things that I look at and I say, there was no doubt that he, whether he was the most talented or not, you know, he had, he had, he had, he used the most of what he had over mm-hmm. everybody else. And he just continued to just shine, Um, you know, game in and game out. His problem was the mental state wasn't there. And, the, the the gravity of the situation, the understanding, you know, roles within a team and him kind of getting a little bit out of whack with that. But it was still a tremendous career for him. And, of course, for Ben, I mean, you know, for whatever it was, you have to celebrate what they had because it was something that was special. It really was. And I, I just, you know, you, you just bum a little bit that uh, he didn't finish it out here when it could have been such a, I don't know, it, it could have been a remarkable pairing, and it was a remarkable pairing. But to finish out the way uh, it started, you know, to me, it's just one of those things that you'll never know what could have happened. You'll never understand how much more more greatness he could have uh, attained. You know, you know, because the fact is, no matter what you say about AB, the guy was very talented, and uh, the fact that you know Mike Tomlin was able to help keep him in between the white lines for. Six years that it says an awful lot when you see what what's occurred in the aftermath, and I I hope that uh, I hope that he gets his life going and doing what he wants to do and is able to have success off the field as well. But uh, certainly you wish him the best, that's for sure. But we got we got less than three minutes, Max. We're tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit about the 
what we see the scouting report with uh, Cincinnati, it's going to be big. Um, you know, this game going into Cincinnati is just ginormous based off of last year with them, their rise to going through and be playing in the Super Bowl. And then uh, club and the Steelers, a total of 65 to 20 in the two games, scoring 65 points in two games and, uh, and keeping the Steelers to only 20. So it's going to be an interesting uh, matchup, my friend. Uh, interesting is putting it lightly. This is a heavyweight bout <laughs> against against two very good teams, and I I can't wait to see how this transpires. Right, because I mean this is this is one of those games that sets you up for the rest of the season. It really it's like getting heavy hors d'oeuvres yeah. at, at a party, and you still have a sit down dinner left. So you know this is going to be a nice preview, and I I would love to say that this is a preview to. Who, coming down for the AFC North title um, preview. But, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I think the Steelers are going to be better than a lot of people think. And when you have that, that that makes for a special moment in and of itself. And I can't wait to go on this journey, man. And it starts on Sunday, but it starts with a preview tomorrow. That's right. That's right, buddy. Absolutely. So we're down to a minute, my friend. Oh, yeah. No, Absolutely. That's plenty of time. Wolf, what are you talking about? <laughs> plenty of time to wax poetic about all things that we love. But no, I, but I digress. I mean, we can't put enough emphasis, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll, we'll break down the preview. We will also give you kind of our thoughts, impact players. Wolf is going to give us our key matchup to watch as well. So you don't want to miss the show tomorrow. Action packed with hard hitting analysis and journalistic integrity. <laughs> Um, in and of itself, but well, you're gonna, you're really making it tough on us, buddy. <laughs> I am. I, am I, 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 that's why you put it out there. You put expectations on people that you know can deliver, and that's what I'm doing with you, Wolf. Because all, because all I'm gonna do is just say yep and give you my thoughts. Um, no. <laughs> but once again, we we appreciate you guys listening in and tune in tomorrow you've been listening to in the locker room with wolf starks and the ninjas here on snr and espn radio have a great day everyone <laughs>